What is up? Welcome, everybody, to episode 58 of the Agree to Disagree show, where we discuss current events, politics, pop culture, and social issues. This episode is brought to you by your main sponsor tonight, CigarNights.com, where all you cigar aficionados could get all your cigar accessories. Guys, tonight's guest um, is is always been a blast. They both have been both have been individually on my show, but tonight we're going to be together. So I consider them my political analysts. So tonight's guests are comedian and podcaster and the co-host of the Dirty Four podcast, Joey Laflamme. Let's bring him onto the screen here. What's up, Joey? Hey, nothing much, man. I, I, I see that you really stick to the analyst thing. It's really funny to me because it's like, I, I want to be more realistic, okay? I'm just some <laughs> jackass that has, that is the local weirdo that just tell big jokes in front of strangers as a doodle. That's I'm not, not an analyst. That's no not true. I'm gonna, wish, shape, or form. No, I'm gonna bring Nick. I'm gonna bring Nick on the on the show here, and then I'm gonna go back to you, Joyce. Give me a second, all right? All I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I have a bone to pick with you, and <laughs> occasional guest host, uh, guest on uh, the Dirty Four podcast, our good friend Nico Piditakos, aka Captain Ooh. Yolo. My go-to guys for anything politics, Nico. What's hey up, buddy? How you doing, buddy? Hey everyone, how's, so, uh, how's it going? So, Nick, do you do you do you do you agree with me or not that that he doesn't give himself enough credit, Joey? I definitely agree with that, one hundred and ten percent. And if I could do this like Darth Vader did to that admiral, like I'd like to like force choke you for it's, your insolence yes, and for your yes. lack of confidence, Joey. Ah, that's so nice. Could you just learn to do that? Because usually I pay for that kind of privilege. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking tease. Okay. Us, I'm so glad that we brought Joey back, back on because we needed some comedy. Because guys, tonight we're gonna get into a pretty heavy, heavy uh, discussion. Because yeah. um, I was thinking about it, and um, I, I said I, I got to do something in terms of uh, I don't know. Uh, let's say uh, put. Let's put. We're gonna give some historical context to what is going on in Eastern Europe. Um, oh, a little bit of noise. Here. Just my cat getting feed. I'm sorry, the mic get it. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so uh, that's what uh, that's what I love about being live. You see, Joy. All there right. You, you, yeah. never, you never know what's gonna happen. So I, I yeah. decided that we do some uh, like put some historical context be, uh, behind what is going on in Eastern Europe, and uh, of course, I'm talking about the Euro- Ukraine Russia conflict right now, and also give our own uh, opinion on it and uh, have a discussion revolved around that. So that's what it is, guys. Uh, you know, like I say every time. Feel free, put in your comments, your questions, any th- your comments. What do you think about the situation? Because it is, of course, affecting everybody. Uh, so already I could see 34 saying, hey, Claudio saying, hey, fuckos. That's very, very, very vulgar, Claudio. Like, like what's your problem? You know? Yeah. What's your I'm... fucking language? <laughs> what's your fucking problem? You know, Fuck you're like... You're lucky. You're lucky. I have no money, so I can't even be demonetized. So we're all good. So. <laughs> Thanks, <lads. laughs> This is fucking That's great. Spirit. That's the spirit. There you go. That's a good way of looking at it. There you go. Okay, guys. So, uh, feel free to 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 jive in here. So, I decided uh, we're going to start the show by giving us a little bit of uh, historical context because I've always said that the show we try to educate and not just try to take a side on this on this situation, but uh, mm-hmm. 
I, I truly believe, and I, I think you guys agree with me, we, we discussed this off air, is that when you're trying to understand, I think you should understand the conflict, not just by present day, because this just didn't happen today, obviously, guys, that yep. Russia decided to bomb. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, this predates even World War One. okay? So I decided to, yep. to give you a context of it, it cut down in three different portions, okay? Yeah. Now, uh, 1922. Russia and Ukraine become two of the founding members of the Soviet Union. 1932 and uh, to 33, a famine caused by Stalin's uh, policy of collectivization kills millions of people, mainly yeah. ethnic Ukrainians in a country that is known as the breadbasket of the Soviet Union. Disaster. Yeah. The disaster is known as the Holodomar. Yeah. So that's that's part one. Uh, and including the Nazi Germany and the Axis powers occupy the country during World War II. Something interesting that I came across, guys. Did you know that because of this, okay, that the Ukrainian nationalists saw the Nazis as liberators from Soviet oppression, mm -hmm. and now, all these years later, 80, 90 years later, whatever it is, now Russia is using that chapter to paint Ukraine as a Nazi nation. Mm -hmm. Don't you find that interesting? Oh, hey, George. Yes. Hey, George. How you doing, buddy? George What's Stantistos up? from the morning show from Just Us Dads and the Backstage Podcast. Love, George. What's Thanks up, G-Punk? So I, I, I find that uh, very, very, uh, when I was doing my research, I, uh, I saw, I've, what do you think about that? I mean, it's, it's, quite, uh, it's quite something. And, you know, after all these years, you know, I always say that because you see something happening uh, for example, you see one Nazi flag at the Freedom Convoy that, that paints yeah. everybody, obviously, as, as Nazis. So now this is a pretext of, of, of Putin using uh, the fact that he's going to go liberate the Ukraines because they're a bunch of Nazi supporters. Actually, he might want to look in his own backyard because in Russia, they have a sizable numbers, even in, in Putin's supporters, like a sizable amounts of people are like not only considered far right, but they, they're, they're literally far right. He hang around with the bikers and uh, that are far right yeah. militants. So yeah. you know, like in terms of Nazis, he must be really good to spot them because he chill with them yeah. in Russia. Yeah. So I get, yeah. I fucking, yeah, I fucking uh, respect is uh, when he talks about Nazis because he must know what he's talking about. Uh, also, uh, don't let's not forget. Also, there's a sizable numbers also in Ukraine. Uh, of a far right activist and even like far right, uh, like really active and r really great in, in Ukraine. And yeah. uh, in Eastern Europe, Europe, from what I've heard, like uh, what I've read, because I did a uh, work back in Sejep about Russia, uh, Putin's Russia, which so that's the side I know a little bit more than Ukraine itself. It's mm -hmm. um, like what's funny in, in Russia, and I feel like it that might have been the same way in the rest of Eastern Europe. It's uh, the younger generation is really, really like uh, heavily right wing and nationalistic, mostly. Uh, yeah. But uh, the older generation, since they grew up in USSR and like yeah. for them, it was just a big, uh, a big group. Right. So the, you didn't add that much of an ethnic uh, dimension of the whole thing. Yeah. I feel like not the old generation you can look at the younger generation like what the fuck's happening with them? And it's uh, it's really not like uh, like the right wing movement. It's more like a young movement in uh, Russia and even in Ukraine. So let's not forget about that a little bit. Like the, it's tough to pick which which one is the good one in this one because they're you know let's not forget yeah. in Ukraine. Yeah. So, but at the same time, it's in, like it's not because you have Nazis in your border yet. You 
to get bombed, but you know. Yeah. It, yeah. It, just to add. Go ahead, just, Nick. Yeah. Just to add three points first. One other thing that we have to be cognizant of is that Russia, like the Ukraine, sort of have this their same origin point around what they call the Kievan Rus, which mm. is based where Kiev, the capital of the Ukraine, is. If you think in mm-hmm. terms of an ancestral home. Uh, like my people, my people, the Greeks, like we have a similar sentiment towards uh, where Istanbul is, where Constantinople used to be. Like mm-hmm. we still sort of have sim- a similar primordial connection to that territory, yeah. like how the Armenians have a similar connection to uh, Mount Ararat, which goes for, way back to the biblical times. And as well, like Van, mm-hmm. like areas that are just right next to their border with Turkey. Um, and let's not another... forget also Kiev is really important in Eastern Europe in a sense that that's there that's the Kievan rules that's become became the first uh, yeah, Russian exactly. principalities to become what? Orthodox exactly. Christians. Yes, Nico, yeah. be, just just before you you continue, I want uh, two things, yeah. and I'm glad you brought that up. So because I'm going to ask you to uh, one very important part. Many Russians view the Ukrainian capital Kiev as the birthplace of their nation. Uh, your mic. Yeah. Your, your mic. Your mic is fucking up. Oh, it is? Yeah. Sounds like you're talking from a aquarium or something. Okay. Do you hear me now? Yeah, oh, I hear yes, you. Yes, we do. Okay. It's, okay. Perfect. Okay. So I'll try not to touch it. So what I was <clears> saying <throat> is many, I'm going to repeat that many Russians view the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, as the birthplace of their nation and cite the numerous cultural ties between the two con- countries. Yeah. So I just wanted to add that. And also another thing is I think you could also tie it. And I, I'm, I'm not sure if you were going to bring that up. And, and I know the boys at uh, uh, the morning show brought this up is that tie between Greece and uh, Cyprus. Yeah. Right? It's very similar to what, what's been going exactly. on. Right? That's been yeah. So I'll let you continue. Sorry about that. I just wanted to. No, no. Uh, that's certainly something to be said. And yeah, during the Soviet times, uh, any notion of ethnic, uh, ethnic nationalism or ethnic citizenship it was not there at all. Like you were a Soviet and that was it. That was all. Um, during those times as well, especially with uh, what Joseph Stalin himself uh, did when he was in power during his disastrous rise to power, the way that the Soviet Union was reorganized along, like in terms of like the subdivisions or the Soviet republics, like mm-hmm. Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, the, like Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania. Of course, we all saw what happened in Chechnya and Georgia and Armenia and Azerbaijan. Like, uh, a lot of these conflicts, like these, like these local conflicts, are a result of those arbitrary drawing of the borders. Mm-hmm. Like one could sort of, sort of have a parallel to that in terms of how uh, a similar dynamic happened in many places in Africa, given you know the scramble for Africa, and given how you know Great Britain, France, and many of the other colonial powers didn't understand local ethnic realities when they were draw- arbitrarily drawing up the border. So we have to be cognizant of that fact mm-hmm. as well. I've I've always been uh, fascinated by redrawing borders. I've always, you know, with with the numerous treaties that have taken place over over history, uh, and th- the fact of that that even after all these years, it could always come back to to basically yeah. bite you in the ass, right? I mean, we, a yeah. great example of that is Israel, because after the treaty, after World War One, they had no idea what to do with this country and Great Britain and the United States. So I'll oh, just Let's give them a freaking piece of land in the middle of uh, predominantly yeah. Muslim area that that worked out real great over the time. The um, East Africa, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean we always could go work on. out, eh? Oh, they always work out. <clears throat> yeah. So, 
Now, this is this is what I call part one. Part two is uh, 1991. The Soviet Union is terminated via treaty um, because yep. there's there's uh, anti-communist protests sweep Central and uh, Eastern Europe, starting yep. in Poland and spreading throughout the Soviet bloc in Ukraine. January 1990 sees more than 400,000 people joining hands in a human chain stretching uh, some 400 miles from the western city of Ivano Frankivics to Kiev, the capital, and north-central part of Ukraine. Many waved the blue and yellow Ukrainian flag that had been bland under Soviet rule. So, yep. uh, to get back to it, um, Ukraine becomes independent and begins a transition to market economy. It also comes into possession of a significant stockpile of nuclear weapons that had belonged to the Soviet Union. Very yep. important point. And then under the Budapest Memorandum, Ukraine, this is very important, guys, listen, Ukraine gives its nuclear arsenal exchange for commitment from Moscow to respect the independence and sovereignty and the existing borders of Ukraine. Who the Oops. fuck signed this? Who signed this treaty? Could somebody explain? Who, who signed this? Uh, well, certainly um, Yeltsin. Yeah, 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 for sure. In his drunken stupor, for one. Uh, well, I don't, yeah, I, don't forget also, like, uh, he had other uh, cats to whip. Like, he had other problems back then because don't forget that uh, there were a lot of questions in the sense, like, how Russia is going to look like during the decade because don't forget that most Russia is still at, at its day 60 nationalities, like uh, minorities, yeah. groups. You have a yeah. lot, like, of course, like, the, the sizable majority is Russian and speak Russian. But you still yeah. have like Turks, Mongols. You still have like uh, Chechens all, and all that. Yeah, exactly, like Caucasus people. You have a lot. It's it's a big melting pot. Like right? in a in, in a sense, like Russia is still a, an empire in itself because in its actual form, it is it is an empire. Yeah, yeah. Which makes it, I mean, just the sheer size of it, and this fact that you just said, Joey, makes yeah. it even more um, impossible to control over. Yeah over generations yeah. over years mm -hmm. so uh, so that's that's what we call part two part yeah. three of course is april april 2014 okay oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. the so listen to this this is this is crazy now and i don't recall this but i do recall this so the presidential election pits kuchma's incumbent party led by his hand-picked successor victor yanukovych and supported by Russian President Vladimir Putin against the popular pro-democracy opposition leader Viktor Yushchenko. In the final months of the campaign, Yushchenko falls mysteriously ill, is disfigured, and is confirmed by doctors to have been poisoned. Hmm. Yanukovych, of course, wins the election amid accusations of rigging, massive protests follow, and the public outcry becomes known as the Orange Revolution, Yep. After the third vote, Yushchenko prevails. Okay, so finally, he, he right he he gets through. So then, of course, we have the the famous um, Russian invades and then annexes the Ukrainian peninsula of Crimea, where they have two secession regions: uh, the yeah. Donetsk region, a uh, People's Republic, and the neighboring Luhansk People's Republic, break off from the Ukraine. The war continues in eastern Ukraine, and I didn't even know that these numbers. Listen to these numbers: region known as Donbas. It then spreads west. Roughly 13,000 Ukrainian soldiers and civilians die in the conflict. Did... Yeah. Did... Okay. So, well, here's... one thing. 
the one thing that has to be said about Crimea specifically, and it has to be noted, Crimea is the site of one of the most important Russian naval assets called the Black Fleet. Yeah. Like how, uh, like consider the Blackfeet based in Sevastopol, which is like the main city of the Crimean Peninsula, to like what the Americans have in Pearl Harbor in, in Hawaii. It's that important of an asset for uh, the Russians. So like that, in in the Russian opinion, they need to protect their assets and to do whatever they needed to do to in order to protect what they have, what limited power projection they have left. So that has to be kept into account. Yeah, that was pretty much the only access to like uh, warm water, meaning that the uh, water yeah. that will freeze on winter. So I know that there's icebreaker and stuff, but it's still pretty complicated to get stuff through. So you, so they still needed the strategically uh, their port there. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Here is first of all, if we're gonna stay on the Crimea option, uh, a Crimea, Crimea area. Uh, yeah. Excuse me, uh, Crimea is. How how believable is it that there is there is enough people there that did want to be part of Russia? I mean, we do know about this red proper propaganda uh, yeah. machine, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, how much could we say without a doubt that that is the truth, that that region really did want to secede from there? Well, from what I understand of ethnic realities in the Ukraine, the deeper, the uh, I know I'm definitely mispronouncing it, but the river that cuts through Kiev in the north and it goes like it slivers off, that sort of serves as sort of an informal barrier or informal natural uh, like line between the heavily Ukrainian western side and the more Russian-speaking eastern side. And uh, Crimea and like the Donbass and the other areas, uh, they're heavily Russian-speaking. So those ethnic realities certainly came into play during that referendum. Of course, we can yeah. dispute the validity of that referendum because, hey, anything that you know Putin himself says, I don't think I could trust all that much. But like, uh, you, sh- you should to a certain degree, though, because he explained pretty much like his doctrine, what it is for. Like, I'm no pro Putin at all, but I I read quite a bit about it. Yeah. And he, 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 don't forget that he also mentioned like a numerous times that the worst tragedy of the 20th century yeah. was the fall of Soviet Union. Not for yeah. a reason we think, uh, mainly because he, he, his explanation, he says that so many Russians were stuck outside of Russia. Yeah. <clears throat> Pretty much. Oh, there, there you go. Yeah. yeah so there we're, we're going to try Thank to pronounce George. it Dnieper River. Thank you, George. The yeah. thing is, um, I, I was going to, I was going to, here, here's my question okay before yeah. we get into should because because joy just that's what i wanted to I, to, to 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 acknowledge what you just said i i read that report in terms of that uh, a long essay that he wrote okay yeah now on that same basis could you imagine let's say fucking rome wakes up one morning and says you know what let's get back together the roman empire okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously guys think about it i know it's a little bit far-fetched but yeah, how far-fetched would it be so any so england let's go get all our uh, great britain let's go get all of our previous uh, colonies that we had all over the world italy the same thing god knows how many uh, african countries that they had so uh you know i don't know how much that holds any argument today so my, my question is to you guys should and i know that obviously we're going to discuss that uh, that that ukraine obviously is not part of nato uh should have the rest of the world allowed crimea to happen i think that's a very complicated question to answer because first what would have we have to, to be done to 
prevent Crimea to happen? Would have would have had would have is it would have it been possible to prevent it in the first place? Would have you found another Casus Belli to go there because that was planned for yeah. the ghetto? So there's that too. Well, I look at it <clears> this way, and yes, I'm going to have to mention Canada here to an extent, but perhaps given the ethnic makeup and the ethnic and specifically linguistic makeup of multiple of several parts of the Ukraine again, again especially uh, the eastern parts Crimea and all that uh, from what I understand of current Ukrainian government policy the only official language for example is Ukrainian like Russia is Russian isn't given any sort mm. of official status in terms of its use in like the parliament in their parliament in Kiev government documents and government services mm -hmm. so one thing in terms of like empowerment or at least at the bare minimum like oh okay at least i can communicate officially <clears> and feel <throat> a sense of inclusion in ukraine is how is allowing those regions to have some autonomy and also the ability to govern themselves according to the language that they to the languages that they wish uh to use so again referencing our of course some would say failed experiment here in Canada, but there's yeah. some merit to uh, allowing these regions to have some sense of autonomy and some, some sense of like being able to govern themselves in that sense and to feel empowered. I, I, I really like the analogy there and the comparison to that. That was, that was, um, I did not look at it that way, actually, Nick, because that was, that's pretty good. Um, and, and George, you know, George says, nope. And, and I agree because that's going to obviously lead to my next, point of discussion here uh, that he's saying no that we, sh we shouldn't have allowed it so george if you could just yeah. if you could just um elaborate here's the thing okay i i'm gonna start by saying i'd like for your opinion whose fault is this okay because i well, i i i i can this too for example you know how you, we avoided we we evaded a an issue when of course the famous uh, Cuban missile crisis when yeah. Russia put you know where Cuba allowed Russia to put the missiles that was just a you know a stone thrown away uh, being able to hit the mainland USA and that was almost right there uh, World War three mm -hmm. so now you have you know you have the the ball on the other side of the court and the states are basically doing the same. Again, guys, uh, let me preface by saying I do not agree with what's going on by bombing, uh, 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 you know, a defenseless country and 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 bombing and bombing uh, yeah. civilian spots. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying here, guys. At this point, is that put yourself for a second in Putin's um, shoes for a second. I know it's hard, guys. I know it's hard. I would actually you, have. Would you have done the same? I look at it this way. And I think it's partly historical trauma on the yeah. part of the Russian people because they've been invaded three separate times by Europe in one way or another. So they have that notion always also that the enemy is also always besieging yeah. them. Like, like we have to think of the Napoleonic War and how Napoleon yeah. himself invaded World War One when the German Empire under Kaiser Wilhelm II uh, invaded, and of course more brutally uh, when the Nazis and their associated Central and Eastern European allies invaded. So that sense of collective war trauma can and does translate into generational trauma. And in that sense, like Vladimir Putin is like, well, I, ha I already have, you know, NATO in Lithuania, Estonia and Latvia. Of course, NATO and the European Union has come in closer and closer and closer mm -hmm in central and eastern europe it's sort of the same 
thought process that China has towards no, like we hate the fact that we have to prop up North Korea, but we do ourselves do not want American uh, troops on our border if North Korea were to collapse in any way, shape, or form. So yeah. it's sort of a similar thing that they need some sort of buffer, they need some sort of secure, they need to feel that they have some sense of security on their border given past historical realities it doesn't of course excuse the fact that they have bombed you know children's hospitals and maternity mm -hmm. wars that we've heard very dis very tragically but we have to be cognizant of that historical reality too when moving forward also let's not forget that we promised basically russia that we won't try to integrate into uh, nato uh, eastern european countries and we did so that's that's part of that too like it's part of a reason also why Boris Yeltsin just lost and then Putin take into came into power because it was kind of a scene like a slap in the face for uh from Boris Yeltsin like he was always uh, being on the western side and you have that sense of hostility from from the Russian people toward the, the west like even like the and that's something that unite the Russian actually like when you you check a, a lot of polls is their uh, sentiment that the west is really adversary they're more aggressive they, they they like to claim that they do stuff for liberal reason but really they're conquerors yeah. or stuff like that and they yeah. uh, create a lot of instability and and it's tough to counter argue with that when you have Iraq as an example right so they use yeah. that a lot they use that a lot yeah. hey unilateral the intervention of from the Americans then you fucked up the yeah. whole Middle East so there's there's part of it too so yeah even also, if you're staunch anti-Putin and even if you're pro-Putin, the thing that unites a lot of Russians, anti-Americanism. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Joy. And, and that goes with uh, was another thing that we need to understand as well is that Russia, Eastern European, <clears throat> we're, guys, we're not close, guys. We're very, very different in ideologies, very conservative, very old school thinking, just like Putin, yeah. guys. So, yes, of course, yeah. they are a modern country, but it, 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 it's, it goes back to they're very conservative and old thinking. I don't know any other way how to say it. And, no, and I, I can understand where you want to get that. It, like, obviously, like the Rus like, for example, like the Russian Orthodox Church is very, very predominant in Russian politics. Like, I can mm -hmm. say this being Greek, like, the Greek Orthodox Church has an over has some considerable influence in Greek politics and in Greek government, the Constitution and all of those things. And that from Putin's perspective and from the perspective of many Russians that think like him, what they're also seeing, what in their opinion, what they're seeing in the West, especially in Canada, the US, Great Britain, with the whole woke ideology as well it's like they're also feeling that they need to defend themselves against what could be considered woke ideology on issues like the lgbt community uh racial like racial issues with the whole like diversity inclusion and equity and other stuff like that is also like there's that element as well and we all know that russia is not exactly one of the most friendly nations to the lgbt community in any way shape or form given how yeah. aggressive they've been What's kind of fuck with me though, like uh, it's when you look all like conservative movement are really pro, like not the movement itself, but like a lot of grassroots right wing people are really pro Putin, and that that I don't get, that I don't get at all. No, we don't. But um, j just to get back, I mean, George has has been uh, chiming in here. It shouldn't have been allowed, but the entire event went practically yeah. unnoticed internationally, and Western powers turned a, uh, a blind eye. Uh, George continues to say the sad part in this situation since 2014 is that Ukraine has been getting screwed Pretty and much. 
Many are arguing that NATO's consistent expansion is the reason for Russians' <clears throat> action. I can't see how an illegal invasion justifies Russian Russia's actions. I agree yeah. with you on all those points, I George. Would, I would argue about one thing, though. Like, uh, how can something be illegal if there's no central government? Like, it's chaos in the world, man. There's no such thing as yeah. illegal invasion. And uh, also, don't forget that Putin is uh, working pretty much as a modern man, too. Because when he does annexation, he never put the Russian flag there. Or he never, like, invaded as being a part of Russia. He always create like those little uh, independent republic. republic. Yeah. He yeah. did the same thing in Georgia, by the way. It's, it created like South Ossetia yeah, and yeah. North Abscania. So yeah. that's yeah. He, he always does that. And yeah, so because don't forget, nationalism is a real thing now. Uh, uh, no matter where you are, French Revolution really changed Europe for, for different reasons. So you cannot just invade a country, basically. You're, like Because there's that notion of nationalism that... Uh, like yeah. uh, the, the the sovereignty by the people, we're we're one nation. So there's again, Joey. We could we could we could say mm. that you know, uh, not many people are going to argue against what I'm about to say. But yeah, United States have been intervening in 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 international affairs in Pretty how much. many countries and since how long, guys? Yeah. How many failed coups? How many assassinations? How many mm-hmm. taking control of That's... all over the world? But that's okay, yeah, right? They, they pretty much tried to invade Cuba when fucking Castro took over. Yeah, the like big uh, invasion. So it's so, I just find it a little bit, you know, hypocritical when you you have one guy and you're calling him this and that when you've been doing it for how many genera- hundreds of years. But I think yeah. I think that's part also the story we tell ourselves when we do that, because that's- it doesn't matter why you do something, because at the moment that somebody else perceives why you're doing it as being non-benign at all doesn't matter much what your intention is you have to convince them that what you mean is uh, you don't mean no harm but the problem is like even though like because in the night i remember in the 90s they were that religion you have to integrate everybody and then slowly yeah. but surely we wanted to get everybody in nato blah 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 blah, blah and everybody like we all the world and it's fine it's all good <laughs> and that's how we sell it to the western world and then that's how we sell it to the eastern europeans but the problem is like through the lens of russia that's not how they perceive it at all like they don't see yeah. it like a new they see it like a move of power by a country the united states and the hegemony trying to like encroach more and more into their uh vital zone and i'm not saying it's a good excuse to invade them but you have to understand no. why he did that right it's not yeah. it's not yeah. as simple as saying he just wanted to screw up everybody's summer well like i said yeah. i mean i i've i've always found it and on that note i've always found it difficult to believe that people could actually um believe that the, the industrial military complex was not behind for example afghanistan and oh, the invasion of iraq right come on guys if, yeah. you, if you're buying this this garbage then you really you're really really far from reality and understanding this so i mean we're talking about two different things here but you could see you know the the um the reason, the reasoning behind the United States and their movements that they've made in terms of imperialism. So on that note, because we brought it up, I wanted to, so let's talk about the NATO. Uh, So for those of you that don't know, NATO is a North Atlantic Treaty Organization, Mm -hmm. uh, also called the North Atlantic Alliance. It is an intergovernmental military alliance among 28 European countries and two North American countries, of course, Canada and U.S. Established in the aftermath of World War II, the organization implements the North Atlantic Treaty signed the 4th of April, 1949. Basically what it says, if one of us is attacked, then the rest of us are attacked. 
so everyone comes to our rescue. So basically, the military alliance. Yeah. So yeah. now, as George was pertaining, was saying that uh, Ukraine was promised uh, um, entry into NATO, and yeah. it was very vague, very vague in one of those treaties. But even better than that, Russia was also promised that no Eastern European countries are going to get into, exactly. like included exactly. in NATO. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it's, so that kind of that's kind of two promises that cannot exist at the same time. That, that, but one cool. of them already been screwed. So why the fuck not? That, that that's. Exactly. So now we shouldn't be surprised to where we are today. So my question to you both is, does NATO still serve a purpose? And could it not, honestly, for what we're seeing right now, potentially lead to world war instead of its initial purpose of of promoting peace? That's a a very... I know it's... Every war no, no. always been about peace. You have to, to think about it right away. Like you do war because you you want to impose your peace. Yeah, you, or your version of how things should. Like when no, they like say, that. "Oh, they want to spread democracy." Um, like sure, I ideally want every single country, including the People's Republic of China and North Korea, to have actual democracy and freedom. But at the same yeah. time, it's like you can't force that from the outside because when you force something from the outside they will take arms and will feel that they are threatened and that their that their own values need to be defended at whatever the costs like the 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 desire for change so that they can be actually free has to come from within that sudden shift in culture i honestly don't think after so many generations, after so many centuries of authoritarianism in Russia, with maybe a small break of it when Yeltsin was president. And even there, you uh, know, like the attack going to the parliament in like 93, trying to push out the last remains of the Soviet, uh, the old vestige of Soviet uh, parliament member. That's yeah. that's not exactly how democracy yeah, works, but I understand why you did that. Yeah, I mean, we could throw oh, we could throw in Gorbachev in there as well, but yeah, uh, yeah, um, like that that change has to that 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 desire for democracy has to come from within, and that the yeah. people themselves have to recognize maybe the way that we've been doing things has been wrong, and maybe we should change. And at that point, do we here in the West actually provide a a consistent example for them to want? to emulate but that's to the extent of what where we can come up in terms of spreading democracy or at least providing a beacon for democracy not also, forcing it at not, gunpoint and let's not forget like if russia adopts a democracy western style that means russia in its actual size cannot exist yeah it just cannot exist because there's too many nationalities there's too many languages there's too many things happening while they were having a form of western democracy under Boris Yeltsin one of the very, very real threat he was facing, and that was one of the first order of business on Putin's plate when he got into power in 99, like, was that Russia was basically dislocating itself. Like, you saw, like, region, like, moving away, and that was getting a major problem for them. Chechnya, for example. Chechnya, yeah, but you had a lot of weird stuff, too. I've I've read about, like, a weird, like, it was, like, all white Russians, okay? But they kind of feel unique for some weird reason, and they tried to build a republic after the USSR. I'm telling you, like Russia was a clusterfuck. Everybody wanted, wanted their piece of territory and said, yeah. "We're a nation." 
which makes you think a lot about like nationhood and that stuff. So you have to recognize that. That's why yeah. Putin is there. Putin is not there out of nowhere. So that's part of maintaining Russia as it is. But if they turn Western, it cannot exist as it is. So that's the the, the main thing really important to uh, notice. And it seems like uh, Russia maintaining their uh, territorial integrity, like it is something in the in the internet, like uh, the collective and conscious. It's something really important to them. So. Yeah. You, you brought up such a good point, Joey. And yeah. again, it goes back to what you said before. Imagine, mm-hmm. it, you know, we, we form a Western democracy here. We're going to have six, literally 60, 70 different republics yeah. based on ethnicity and language uh-huh. and, and cultures. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then it brings up another point, right? That the, the question of nationhood and, and lines on a map, right, guys? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. crazy, right? It says, hey, here, past this line, we're in Canada. Past this line, yeah. we're in the United States. It's it's always been that concept of nationhood, which I've always found fascinating. So, you know, uh, George says NATO's purpose just resurrected after these events. Oh, that's for, that's for sure. That's for fucking sure. Yes, but the thing is, yeah. guys, okay, what do we do here? We, what do we do? Okay, there, technically, Ukraine is not part of NATO right now. Mm-hmm. But if we do do it, do we call us buff? And then what? What's the scenario? World War Three? Nuclear bombs flying all over the place? But it's 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 not us. It's yeah. I, I don't but know. I feel guys. like we're kind of chasing after our tails. Like we need yeah. to ask ourselves, like in terms of international politics, did the liberal way of doing things actually works? You know, like the the thing with all friends and uh, everybody wants to make money because there's two side because there's two main like in international politics and in universities you have two main group. Okay, there's a third one, but it's kind of complicated and. Let's just simplify that because we're not going to spend like 10 hours talking about it. So on yeah. one side, you have what we call the realist. Those are are like me, things yeah. that the world is chaotic and everybody yeah. is out for himself, blah, blah, blah. It's more complicated, but I don't want to give you the whole course. On the other side, you have the liberals. And there's two sides to that, okay? So in the United States, uh, since uh, Reagan, you never saw actual real politics. That was always liberalism in some ways. So it's either neocons that are like democracy peace theory, which the the, the theory yeah. is if everybody's a democracy, you won't see any war. So let if the United the neocon twist to that is like if the United States can project more power into the world, uh, you'll see more democracy popping up. So uh, basically, in everybody in the world, there's a little American that wish to have a democracy, and if you kill, kill all the dictators in the world, nobody will shoot shoot anybody in the face. So that's great. Uh, yeah. On the other side, though, you have like uh, the economic peace theory, which the idea is if you have a lot of like uh, international treaties and like uh, trade and the nations wants, don't want security, they don't want defense. All they want is to get wealthy, but uh, realists don't agree with that. Nations don't necessarily want to be ne- uh, wealthy. They want to be sec- They want security first. Wealth is a means to an end, but really they want to exist that's the main thing defend the, their sovereignty so that, mm-hmm. that that's always a main thing to to notice and when you understand international politics in that way you can reorient a little bit your strategies you don't need to invade fucking afghanistan to make democracy there because who cares really because is there any strategical gain to be there to send troops there we need to think in that way because the world is changing. It's no longer a monopoly. We're getting more and more into a three-power war, which is exactly how the world looked like back in World Wars II, right? Where you had like the Axis and the Japanese and then uh, Germany, 
on one side and then the United States. So you have to think about it. Like, like geographically, you have to delegate more to Europe, to your, to realize the Americans cannot anymore like be involved everywhere like uh, endless chicken they need to reassert their strategic uh their strategic uh, goal their, like uh, their view of the world yeah they, they absolutely have to relook at their international uh politics and, and how they yeah, have yeah. Uh, how they different countries because again it goes back to what you're saying before every country is looking out for their sovereignty and every country yeah. is so different guys so different yeah. so pat yeah. says uh something great here he says uh, thanks for tuning in, Pat. It seems that there is a war based on provocation. Putin is trying to get the West's attention by bombing hospitals and schools so that they step in. Interesting. The West is provoking by sending all the arms and decreasing Russian economy. Perfect recipe for world war. Hmm. Oof. Yeah, that's... I don't that's... know. Because I, I... Uh, if, if I'm, I'm uh, Putin, I don't want the West to get involved more than doing it. Because I feel like he was uh, betting on a blitzkrieg and it didn't work out. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. He had expected a blitzkrieg, but he had underestimated the fact that the Ukrainians were like, no, fuck this yeah. shit. Like, we're going to defend our home or we're going to defend our territory. Like, we're seeing, like, many, like, local distilleries being converted mm -hmm. uh, into uh, Molotov cocktail production facilities. Many uh, factories being repurposed to build weapons and to, and to uh, other things, too. So, yeah, he expected a blitzkrieg, but it ended up not happening. Yeah, and to add to that, one of the main reasons is uh, something that Putin might have underestimated. And since 2014, the Ukraine, they have enforced, uh, they have buffed up their military. They, they bought new equipment. Uh, they're, they're more ready than they used to be. And uh, in terms of numbers, I think like the, uh, in terms of like salary, the, the basic salary of a Ukrainian soldier is way better. The wage of a Ukrainian soldier is better than a Russian soldier. Which kind of help in terms of morale and stuff and preventing mm. desertion. So that's mm. one data that I find really interesting. Uh, there's a YouTube channel I can. Uh, it's a uh, General Binkov. It's a guy like talking yeah, in the Marionette. Binkov's battlegrounds. I love that. I love that. Oh, he's great. So what he does is one of my favorite part of uh, international politics, strategic studies. I really love it. Oh, that's cool. You, yeah, you guys off air, just send that to me. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. That yeah. sounds good. It's, uh, it, it's an adorable. It's like an adorable Muppet talk. Like I, I love it. Okay, yeah, cool. But he talk about military and like and it, most of the time he does like a simulation if a country invade another country, how it will play out. But then <laughs> he talk more about like uh, Ukraine and uh, their military budget, military spending. Like long term, Russia is gonna win because they're well equipped. They have a bigger army. Like in and terms of sheer size, but the problem, like uh, the problem is, it, it's taking too long. Well, yeah, that's the thing, and and so yeah. so here here's I wanted to discuss this as well. So George bring this to light, and uh, what a lot of people are underestimating that. Let's not forget the real possibility of Ukraine getting a fast track uh, accession to the EU rather than NATO. Ooh. So do you? Yeah, I've I read I read that recently as well uh, that there is talks of that. So could that equally be seen as a um, a sticking point for Putin? What do you guys think on that? Absolutely. I mean, the European Union and NATO are, or some people would say, is effectively the same thing in terms yeah. of a of a liberal international like organization encroaching on their territories. So certainly, if the EU yeah, in Russian today you can read some. In Russia yeah. today, you can read sometimes like uh, the European, uh, like the American minions of the European Union. So you can read sometimes like sometimes stuff yeah. like that in Russian media. Yeah. 
Well, I yeah, I mean, uh, I, what you were saying, uh, no, you'd be cool. Sorry. No, no, just I was just gonna again repeat that. You know, if they if they are fast tracked into uh, membership into the European Union, it, it could escalate the situation. Or oh, yeah, sure. another thing that could escalate the situation to absolute like catastrophic levels is if President Zelensky was actually found by Russian forces and was executed alongside yeah. his, his family like that. And if a Russian pro-Russian government were installed in Kiev, that is when things can get absolutely nuclear. Oh, yeah. Do you, so here's the thing. Do you think, having said that, Nick, what you just said, is that what do you think his end goal is here for Putin? What Does he really want to annex literally the whole country or this is what he wants? What he wants is for them not to be part of NATO or EU. And, and certainly, that, certainly not a, sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, 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 it's okay. Um, um, certainly, like the Ukraine not being a part of NATO or and certainly not being a part of the EU, uh, more ideally for him uh, to have a pro-Russian government installed in Kiev that is considered legitimate uh, in the Ukraine or the possibility of the Ukraine collapsing into a more federalized uh, state where individual like provinces or states, like I would say provinces for the sake of argument or for the better use of the word, mm -hmm. that the province, that the various provinces or prefectures in the Ukraine, like Crimea, Donbass, and others, are, are more free to determine what they want to do, again, on issues of language and government services, and just sort of like pe people being able to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. So that could be another end goal. It's... Yeah, also, like I said earlier, it's, it's yeah. like Randall, I am quoting Randall Schwanner on this, one of my uh, scholar idol in terms of like uh, like international politics. Well, like you once said, it's no longer 18th century. You don't swallow up a whole country and then you're safer because you're going to have a lot of issues like how you maintain peace there, mm -hmm. how you, you maintain security. You're going to have a lot of insurgency group because of nationalism. It's a real yeah. thing. It makes everything more complicated for anybody that wants to annex another country. So annexation, it's no longer an option for more security. And when you do war, uh, in my perspective, is because you want more security. So in his, in, in Putin's term, what more security would mean is like uh, preventing NATO to get even closer to his border. That's one thing. Yeah. Uh, like making sure, making like taking NATO out. Maybe like I feel like the, the how it's gonna be resolved. It's like Ukraine become a, like a buffer zone between the West and the East. Or what yeah. could happen? Or what could happen? And I've actually thought of this beforehand. <clears throat> is that what could happen in terms of like where both sides, like Russia and EU slash NATO, could consider? is that Ukraine, and this could be in a formal treaty ratified by all the countries and formally accepted, Ukraine is declared neutral. Yeah. NATO nor EU is ever going to allow them to come in, but at least free trade and like an honest free trade of like goods and other stuff can go through. Yeah. Uh, of course, the Ukraine would never join Russia in any sort of like, I know that Russia still has like this umbrella organization called the CIS, yeah. like the Commonwealth of Independent States, which is like a successor organization uh, to the US, to the former USSR. So like the Ukraine could have this neutral status. And I thought uh, what, like I thought of this uh, in terms of like a parallel to history, when they were when they were breaking up the former British Mandate colony of Palestine in forty six to forty eight, they had considered actually declaring Jerusalem a part of neither the Jewish part of Israel or the Muslim Palestinian part of Palestine. That 
Jerusalem, given its significance, of course, including Bethlehem as well, that that would have been completely neutral. Like no one is going to claim it as a as a as a part of their capital or whatever. So something similar could happen in this case, so that both sides can be okay. Ukraine just stays where it's at, and that of course, given this. Of course, all parts of Ukraine, so Crimea, Donbass, and other parts are actually brought back, and it's okay. That's it. That's all. Free trade on all sides. Yeah, that is that is a great uh, approach. I've heard about that as a possibility as well. I'm not sure if that uh, that would be satisfactory, but uh, anyway, that I think that would be one of the best solutions when you really look at it. Uh, and the and... argument to that is always like, what about the sovereign right for them to decide their international politics? Yeah, but at the same yeah. time, like. Do you think Canada has the, the, the sovereign right to decide to, to join any military alliance he wants? <laughs> Come on, guys, are you fucking that fucking dense? Like, yeah, yeah, like Trudeau father tried to join, like uh, to to approach himself more from uh, USSR, and then his fucking counselor told him, "No, you can't." Well, you're, you're you're in NATO, and you're gonna stick with NATO. And then yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah, like you had a choice with our yeah, with yeah, our yeah. ten with our ten soldiers and two tanks and. Uh, and uh, yeah, like from 1930. Yeah, simple math. Like, uh, there for uh, every Canadian, there's 10 Americans. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> exa- well, yeah, pretty much that's exactly it. So, George, yeah. uh, and this has been also a concern <clears throat> for me, it brings up uh, the possibility of further expansion. And I don't know. And, you know, yeah. so he, George says, uh, what, uh, and what about Moldova and Georgia, fearing the possibility that they may be, may be next? They applied for EU membership last week. Fear is definitely well established in these smaller countries. Yeah. I think, uh, yes, for sure, I understand. It was yeah. always, I would argue also that was always there since Putin was around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, let's not forget also his military, uh, military campaign in Georgia. That was the, one of his first order of business when he got into power. Because yeah. I remember that uh, Boris Yeltsin tried a military operation over there that didn't end up well. That was a major humiliation for uh, the Russian army. And uh, Putin, when he took power, that was one of the first things he wanted to address. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one thing that uh, Pat says, and this was going to something I wanted to bring up as well, so it's a great segue. Putin will not stop with Ukraine. He's testing the waters to see how far he can go to obtain other countries. Don't forget there is a possibility that China joins in seeing that their intentions are similar with obtaining Taiwan. I do yeah. know that China and Russia have been having... Um, secret talks god knows what has been said in those talks um what do you guys think about this possibility i'm i'm you know when when you hear about china and iran backing up russia i don't know if we're really looking too much into this uh but you know i'm i don't know i i on a very basic level i'm having you know nightmares of seeing allies and axes and starting to see this thing form I don't know, guys. Are we just are we are we scared? Are we? Is there? Well, it's been there the case a... for like ten years, like Iran, China, Russia banding together. But I, I, I forget. I think I'm. I might be wrong, but I thought that China, like, uh, and also Russia, like, publicly and stuff, right? I th- I think they're providing lukewarm support. Yeah. Well, they're trying. They themselves are trying to be careful because we're also seeing just how severe. The economic sanctions have been to Russia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's say the Chinese, for whatever reason, say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we should actually try uh, going after Taiwan." Finally. Yeah. Like, if that were to actually happen, though, I highly doubt it would happen. If the if we can actually have the resolve to sanction China at even twenty to thirty percent of the level of economic and financial sanctions that we've initiated on Russia, which 
yeah, I get that. But even if we do 20 to 30 percent of that, then China themselves could potentially collapse because that China itself, and this is a whole other episode for a whole other day, yeah. potentially in the future, but they're a huge box. Like every country effectively right now is a, is a house of cards waiting to, to collapse given the, yeah. the considerable debt loads, like Canada broaching $1 trillion, the United yes. States broaching almost $30 trillion, China being at a, like we're, I, I just don't know if China would be, even be willing to do it, but if they are, and if we even sanction them to that point, we could see even worse outcomes as well the, in terms the, of the economic and financial collapse. The thing with that yeah. is, Nick, you know, the, the thing with that is, is that now we have the United States and Canada. They're going to have to start learning to make maybe their own petroleum and their own oil and their own products that they're 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 getting from Russia and China. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at it. I mean, think about the decisions that that North Americans have been meaning. We we have the third largest reserve of oil in the world. Yet yeah. we get uh, I believe Russia is the fifth largest that we we import from in terms of oil. It's fucking obscene. Then you have you have uh, um, uh, dead dead man walking in the United States becomes president and stops all oil fracking, stops all production, Keystone, whatever the hell. Um, yeah. it's just, it's absurd when you really think about it, it's, it's ludicrous. So what are you saying until the time that you get, you become to the point that you could get green, stop everything. It, oh, and by the way, Venezuela and Saudi Arabia, can you please pump up a production? Because I can't that buy was, from, yeah. that showed so much weakness. That showed so, so much weakness. Like, look, I am as much of an of a sincere environment. Like I know and recognize the fact that oil and natural gas are carbon polluting to an insane degree. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have to tell the environmentalists: Look, you want to be serious first. Adopt nuclear power. Yes, sure, we've had past incidents, but we should learn from them. So first, we need nuclear power. It's still the safest. It's still the, it's still the safest. We have better technology. And if let's say the people who work at the at the nuclear power plant say, "Hey, is it is right?" Look yeah, that. Canada should step up and take exactly. its place as an all export special well, interview. Absolutely, pretty well, much. Well, tell the pretty provincial. Well, tell the the cat. Well, tell the provincial government and all the environmental regulatory agencies and all of the environmental advocacy groups or social justice groups to stop stonewalling uh, the Energy East, uh, stop stonewalling Keystone XL, and also the Trans Mountain Pipeline that goes through British Columbia. Like we need to do that at the bare minimum. I recognize and trust me, I recognize the cognitive dissonance as someone who actually values living in a clean environment with reducing carbon emissions and all that. But at, at this moment, we need to do something to provide some security to Europe because they are so overwhelmingly dependent on Russian oil and natural gas yeah. with Nord Stream 2 and other pipelines as well. So it's like we need to do that. Look yeah, at Germany, right? Look at Germany. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, but, but like the thing, the crazy thing about it, it's like, I think it kind of shows like how good we had it for too long to take all this shit for granted. Now, now that the ga the gas is guy like getting up and all the stuff, I I think we don't feel the pain enough because I don't hear that many that that many, that question being being asked that many times. Yeah, I feel well. like uh, we're, we we have it too good now. Like we we're starting complaining, but we don't have the real like how like lack of resource actually looks like and when that's gonna happen now they're gonna uh, think about hey we have oils why well, we don't produce it joey we're not far off there because all fair yeah. nicholas was saying two dollars a freaking liter guys let me tell you i drive a four by four okay an suv yeah. mm, 
but, a uh, lot all of these, people. but all these people taking all these policies, they all they all in fucking Tesla. They don't care. Like as, at the moment, is they're gonna start feeling the pain. That change things gonna change. Like they're gonna be like, okay, we need our own oil. We cannot like keep trusting Russia and these uh, and the trustworthy countries. The problem with uh mass like first the, the demand for electric vehicles especially given the circumstances is so high that there's no supply anymore and also we have to recognize the fact that uh with tesla and all their electric vehicles they have so many components that there are such shortages for because of semiconductor well, shortage and saying, all of that so it's like not, i know i'm not saying that everybody should get a tesla i'm just saying those things those kind of decisions they all have a tesla they don't care like like yeah, uh, Pete Buttigieg, absolutely. the transport secretary. Like I'm sorry, you're absolutely ridiculous and fucking moronic. The way that yeah, it's like it's I like know. have him eat cake. That it was like have him eat cake kind of pretty like, much. Right. When you have Elon Musk saying that oil production has to go up in North America, yeah, what does that tell you? Yeah, yeah. what does that tell you, guys? I know, right? <laughs> Come on, yeah. Alum, Alum. Alum. It, it, it is crazy that like we needed a pandemic to realize that we might need. To build, to 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 like to 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 produce our own medicaments and our own health supply. It is fucking insane to me that like thing. we needed yeah, a pandemic point. to figure out that yeah, not everybody are buddy buddy. When push comes to shoves, everybody thinks for themselves. Oh yeah. shit! Goes back Germany to Chancellor, his first responsibilities are to Germans, not Canadians. Oh damn! I yeah. never saw that coming. Yeah, oh, what a surprise! What I know. I'm so I'm so flabbergasted. You know what, guys? Tonight, I think we solved so many things. I mean, we, I know, right? we just put us. We could put one in the United States, one in Canada, and maybe we'll put Joey in Russia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I'll, everybody's take, I'll, take, I'll take the United class. States for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, what I was what I was about to say is like, if everybody's a Greek gun thinking about their own interests, the world would be a better place. I think. I, yeah. I I can't say I disagree with you, but here's the thing. So so here's this is the the last thing I just wanted to, and I, and I know again it's I've been asking a lot of open questions, and I loved all your responses tonight. Honestly, guys, well yeah. thought out. Um, what do you guys think the geopolitical landscape is going to look like after this is in parentheses over? And I think I think honestly, I think we've we've pretty much we've answered it you know we've oh, there's an old french movie that used to the, that was quoting talia saying like don't waste too much time trying to predict what history will bring to you without any efforts yeah <laughs> i like that yeah, yeah. let's like see that. how it's gonna play out yeah, yeah. it's I, not I, like I... we have much to do uh, in it anyway and let's just enjoy like the contradictions of those people's apologizing to china for claiming that Taiwan is a country and now all of a sudden I have to cry and I have time to sub for those poor Ukrainians. I'm sorry for them. It sucks to be them, but you know, it's, it's, it's also crazy. sucks to be Taiwanese by these days and Hong Kong. So, you know, yeah. choose, you pick your fucking tickets, man. Oh, there's, there's so yeah. many guys. We, I mean, like, yeah. like Nick said before, we could do another two, three episodes on different issues. Like, Honestly, like there, I sound insensitive right now, but let's be honest. There's not enough water in my body to cry for any like tragedy and sad stuff happening in the world. So, might be indifferent at this point. No, yeah. but given all the issues that we have to deal with here locally at home, which is another yeah. thing. Like, we have so much. Like, why are we going to war in the first place when we have a medical system in the in a state of collapse? Yeah, one trillion dollars worth of debt. Uh, and other major issues that we need to deal with at home. So, like, that's where, again, politically, where, where you get at politically as well, Luigi, 
And what I'm seeing in the United States, especially in more and more parts of the Republican Party, as represented somewhat by Trump, but others like uh, I, I don't remember the names of these of these individuals, but there are more and more folks in the Republican Party saying, hey, can we just focus on our own shit first before we start policing the world? Yeah. So like, we may end up seeing a more isolationalism like more isolationalism, which was the official or it was the American foreign policy before both uh, Teddy, not Teddy, Teddy, uh, Theodore Roosevelt and Mm -hmm. Woodrow Wilson, especially like Woodrow Wilson, especially changed everything. What for, for that, for certain people, for the better, but for a lot of people, for the worse in terms of his uh, focusing. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, right. (laughs) I got to put that in goal. Papa Legault, mon oncle Legault will fix everything. George, uh, George says, "Thanks, George. That was a good laugh." You know what? You know what makes me laugh about this guy? He used to say, "Like I listen to the public health, like I listen to my mom." Well, <laughs> mommy quit. <laughs> so basically, François Legault, they are now far Steven, fucking bunch of liars. It's incredible. Yeah, no, right? Nick, you said something Sorry, Nick. great in terms of looking out after your own countries. And I've been a long time proponent, not proponent, but uh, critic of the amount of money that our drama yeah. throws around the fucking country. He just promised $50 million to Ukraine. Where the fuck is this money coming from? Yeah. Like, uh, like where? Yeah. 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 Uh, yes, maybe in 17 generations we'll pay it off, Joey. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, pretty much. My my little grandchildren, and it's not looking like I'm gonna have. <laughs> um, yeah. guys, it's 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 really interesting times uh, that we we live in, and uh, I don't think, like I said, this is going to be the the first and last show in terms of discussing international politics and issues and conflicts. Um, but um, let's read one last uh, comment from Pat. Uh, either Russia takes Ukraine and continues, or this war gets a lot larger than what it is. But one thing is for sure, Putin will not back down. This will not be a short war. Yeah. If only Quebec was a country, we had our own military. We'll be there, and that will be fixed. <laughs> we missed our we missed our chance to like fix all the problems of the world. Us, eight millions of fucking retards. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a great way to go out? This is the war cry we need. Elvis Greta on the front line. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guys, uh, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, Anytime. thank everybody. Thank everybody for the insightful comments this evening, Pat, George. Um, thank you so much, and uh, particularly to to you, Nick, and to uh, to you, Joey. Uh, contrary to what Joey says, you were very, very knowledgeable and insightful tonight. So don't Thank sell you. your shelf short. There's a reason. The reason don't why make, I invite you. Don't, don't don't make me force choke you at a distance like Darth Vader did to the Admiral and an Emperor. I actually wish back. you could. <laughs> Let's not even go. <laughs> All right, guys. So listen, stay off, uh, stay off, uh, stay online. We'll ch- we'll chat offline. I wish everybody uh, a great uh, Thursday and Friday and a beautiful weekend. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will see you next week. Got some great guests coming up and uh, one surprise one in at the end of March, but I'm not going to say it yet. So thanks again for tuning in, guys. Have a great evening. Thanks again. Bye bye. Fuck out.